Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What a come down. What a disappointment. I can only imagine the reaction of many in the crowd as they receive this would-be king of Israel ambling in on top of a, of a donkey. Now, to be sure, there was some precedent for that. A king had done that before in the Old Testament. And there were prophecies and promises about a donkey, but let's be real. What are they expecting when their king would come the day in which the Messiah would arrive? That he is going to come in with some great big imposing creature, a war horse that is going to intimidate all of the nations. You think of, of some of the great animals through history. There's Napoleon with his Marengo. There was Alexander the Great with his Bucephalus, the great-headed one. It was a, kind of a weird-looking horse. Or Julius Caesar, he did him one better. He didn't even come in with a horse. He came in on a war elephant. So if you're an Israelite, anticipating, expecting, hoping for your Messiah, you're hoping that he's going to come in on a pretty fearsome, imposing animal, right? And so here the crowds are gathered because they've heard whispers that today is going to be the coronation of the Christ. They've got their palms in their hands, their hosannas in their mouth, and in comes somebody who looks more like Barney Fife on top of Eeyore. This is not what we were looking for and hoping for. What, what a kingdom. What a king. What a come down. And when we look back into some of those hopes and expectations of the Israelites, that pain and that disappointment becomes even more acute and painful. When we look back centuries before into what the prophets, prophets had said, the promises and the prayers that they had offered up to God. So let's listen more closely to our Old Testament reading, the prayer that we heard from the prophet Isaiah. Go with me now. Six centuries before the time of Jesus. Six centuries earlier, when is, the Israelites were in quite a fix. At that time, uh, Jerusalem had been destroyed. The temple had been razed to the ground, and now the Israelites themselves are driven away into exile. It's in that context, then, that they are voicing these words that we hear Isaiah put so simply. He says, we have become like those over whom you have never ruled. It's as though the kingdom had been taken away from them. And so Isaiah offers up this plaintive cry, this prayer to God the Father. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Let me hear you say, come down. Come down, tear the skies apart like a curtain and descend here among us and restore your reign. That's the prayer. That's the, the cry of Isaiah and the Israelites as they found themselves in that place of deepest disappointment. And not only that, God, but when you come, manifest that kingdom to all the nations. As Isaiah goes on, like when kindle, fire kindles brushwood and make your name known to your adversaries that the nations might tremble at your presence. The prayer and the hope is that it's going to be like, well, like on Mount Sinai when God came down and there was the, the fire and the earthquakes and everyone trembling at the presence of God. That's what they're hoping and longing for once again. 
not to put too fine a point on it, and pardon my French, they want God to come and kick butt and take names, right? That's what they're hoping and longing for. And I think it's a hope that we can all resonate with, even in our own day, when we too find ourselves outside of the the power and the control centers of our world. It resonates with me, this summons, this cry from Isaiah and and the Israelites to want God to come in and to deal with our adversaries, to show them what's what. Even in our own time where, you know, nativity scenes are driven from the public square and people are saying, happy holidays, and you're like, you know full well what the holiday is that we're celebrating. Or the worst of all, these songs that you have to put up with from Mariah Carey, John Lennon. If I hear it one more time, I'm going to puke. We pray, oh Lord God, come down, rend the heavens, and deal with all of this foolishness once and for all, right? All of which makes it all the more painful at this come down when the king, would-be king, comes in. And he comes not in might, but in meekness. Not in exaltation, but humiliation. And if the mountains are quaking, it may well be from laughter at that moment. Really? This is the Messiah? This is the Christ, the one that we have longed for, that we've hoped for, that we've had this expectation for? So why would Jesus come this way? I think to get an answer to that, we can go back to Isaiah. Because Isaiah, he offers up this powerful plaintive cry and he gets us all riled up as he talks about God coming down in power and might and when God comes down, all the nations will fear and tremble. But then, then Isaiah pauses and he kind of turns around and looks back at us and he says, behold, which is a a fancy biblical way of saying Hold the phone for just a second. (laughs) Now wait, he says. You were angry because we sinned. In our sins we have been a long time, and shall we be saved? We've become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. In other words... Isaiah has this moment of clarity and what he is is saying to the Israelites then and to you and me still today is that, listen, guys, the problem isn't just out there in that mean, awful world with its terrible so-called Christmas songs. The problem isn't just out there, he's saying. The problem is in here. The problem is in your own heart in your own life, if you think that somehow you are exempt from all the pollution of the world, all the sin that runs amok, you are mistaken. And what Isaiah is saying is, you want God to come down? Be careful what you wish for. Because there is plenty of kindling in your heart for that fire to come down and wipe out. Unless unless that king were to come, not in power, 
but in weakness, not in judgment, but in grace, unless that king were to, to trade the war horse for the donkey, not as our conquering hero, but as our suffering servant, the one who will take your sins and mine onto himself and who will himself be our beast of burden. But who would have ever expected that? And so I think we can maybe understand a little bit more why just a few days hence, a few days after these crowds greet Jesus with their hosannas and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, it's only a few days after that that those crowds, jaded with disappointment, will pin Jesus to a cross and post over his head that sarcastic sign that reads, In Rai, Jesus Nazarenus Rex Eudorum, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, so-called and supposedly. And do you remember the mocking? Do you remember the, the taunts and the jeers that they hurled at him as he was up there on the cross? They were saying to him, He saved others, but he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, do what? Come down from the cross. Come down. They spoke more truly than they realized. Because there, in that place of deepest disappointment and darkest death, that's precisely where God is coming down in Christ. God has answered those cries and he has come down for us men and for our salvation, as the creed says. He has come down as our suffering servant to take on himself all of your sins, all of your disappointments, and to bury them once and for all. That's why Christ has come and how he has come. And it's a word that we need to hear and to receive in our own day too. Because you know what? There's a sense in which the life of faith is an occupational hazard. What I mean by that is that you start to follow Christ. You trust in God and you think, surely God, you're just going to deal with all of my problems, right? And all of life is going to be snowflakes and warm fuzzies. It's all going to go smooth from here. And yet still there is disappointment. Still there is pain. Still there are those things in your life that have not gone as you hoped or as you expected. But know this. The Christ who came down into the manger, onto the donkey, and atop the cross, he comes down to your come downs. He descends into your deepest disappointments and he meets you there. He meets you there. And still he meets us in this underwhelming vehicle of simple bread and wine to remind and reassure you and me that he is ever and always Emmanuel, God with us. And until he comes again, when he will come in power and might and great glory and fix all that is broken, 
and fulfill the hopes and fears of all the years until that day when we cry out, though we mourn in lonely exile, O come, O come, Emmanuel, you and I can do so with confidence because you have known the love of your lowly Lord in the manger, on the donkey, and at the cross, the one who comes to save, who comes for you and me and meets us ever and always. What a kingdom. What a king. What a come down indeed. Amen. May the, peace of, may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to sing our offertory, Create in Me, as our offerings are brought forth.